Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast with Mike and Alexandra Foley. Where each week, we mix a bartender's guide with the lives of the saints to help you celebrate the feasts of the calendar with liturgically correct cocktails. Let's get started. Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast. I'm Mike Foley. And I'm Alexandra Foley. And welcome to our holy happy hour, Saintly Sippers. Yay, it's finally happy hour. And happy feast of the transfiguration. This this podcast is going to transfigure many souls. We certainly hope so. Yes, I'm going to transfigure my glass from full to empty. <laughs> Indeed. So in this year of our Lord, 2023, Three. Good job, Mike. Thank you. Uh, they, they're, they're going by really fast these days. We need a producer to do some fact-checking, though. <laughs> exactly. So this Sunday is the Feast of the Transfiguration. So Hard to believe already. In both the Old Rite and the New, it trumps the Sunday of the liturgical year. So we will be celebrating the Feast of the Transfiguration this coming Sunday. Huzzah. Huzzah. And as we hope to show during this podcast, it is a magnificent feast filled with all kinds of mystical meaning. And fun traditions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to make up a few fun traditions today. All right, let's do it. Does one of them involve a drink by any chance? Let's go to it. All right. Stay with us, O Lord, for it is getting towards evening. And bless our drinks and our conversation. Amen. Peter, James, and John. Pray for us. Pray for us. Oh, nice one. I like that. Thank you very much. You did your homework. I didn't have to do my homework, but I'll explain that later. All right. So in Drinking with the Saints, we have no specific cocktail for the Feast of the Transfiguration. I suggested various beers in honor of the witnesses of the Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, Mm -hmm. Peter, James, and John. But today we're going to go with the theme of a transfigurative cocktail. And the best we could come up with was a cocktail that changes color. So you can Google this. I found a website that had 21 color-changing cocktails. Mm. But we're going to go with one that was recently introduced to us by our new friend in Alaska, Teresa Austin. Hi, Teresa. She introduced us to Empress 1908 Gin. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. And it is a beautiful gin with an indigo color. Mm-hmm. And then you add tonic to make a gin and tonic. And it changes from indigo blue to a beautiful lavender. Does. It sounds like, like, oh, you're just diluting it. But no, it actually changes color. It does indeed. So I've taken the liberty to already pour in ice and the Empress gin into a highball. How much? Uh, one and a half to two ounces. Okay. And now I'm going to add the tonic. Do it. Let's see this. We're going to post a picture, too, of, of the transfiguration. The tonic. really pretty y'all it changes color instantly it's interesting that the ice doesn't do that even when the ice melts so it must be something in the tonic water yeah so like if you added that sprite would that happen i don't know but maybe something about the tonic does could it be the quinine yeah we'll, we'll talk about that cheers cheers to the transfiguration of our lord hopefully this drink will transfigure your mood uh, Just kidding, you're not wow, in that mood. Meow. <laughs> I'm going to make that joke over and over again. So it is good, like but it. it is different than a regular gin and tonic. So Empress 1908 gin mm-hmm. was named after a high tea in the Fairmont Hotel in Victoria, British Columbia. 
Fun fact. Do you Nin- know this already, 1908 Mike? was the year they did it. Not the gin, but the high tea. <laughs> Tell me a fun fact. That I have been there at the Fairmont Hotel. No. Yes. Yeah. With my beloved cousin, Amanda. Yeah. We took the Hi, ferry Amanda. from uh, Washington State, from Bellingham, and went to uh, Vancouver Island and to the town of Victoria and spent the day. It was, it's a beautiful hotel right on the water. Did you have afternoon tea? I don't remember. I don't think so. I remember, I was pregnant with our son, Peter. Oh, that was a spoiler. And, <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I wasn't feeling very well. I remember that. All right. Well, what fond and fun memories do you have? <laughs> so gin is usually made from juniper berries mm-hmm. and is clear in color. Right. But they added several other ingredients, again, to the, imitate the high tea. So it has black tea. This has a more earthy flavor. Don't you agree? It's, it's yeah. In a sense, it's not as sweet as London dry gin. You didn't bring the bottle up to our podcast room, but I, sh- I would like to try it on its own. <laughs> Excuse to do shots. <laughs> Just to taste it, because right when I, what I taste is a slightly more bitter and complex gin and tonic water. Yeah, that's well said. <laughs> so apparently the secret ingredient is butterfly pea blossom. Mm, mm-hmm. And that is, when I looked at these recipes for color-changing cocktails... Mm-hmm. That seemed to be the secret ingredient to changing the color of a cocktail. So in a gin or not in a gin. Okay. When our friend Teresa introduced us to the drink, she said, the secret ingredient is butterfly pea flour. <laughs> We're like, They're, they got butterfly pea somehow? <laughs> oh yeah. How do they even do that? They had them drink lots of beer. Lots of beer. <laughs> exactly. Rent that beer. and But turns out, no, it's P-E-A, as in like yes. a, a pea blossom like a sweet pea correct Mm -hmm. so you're the florist of the family can you tell us anything about butterfly pea blossom no i don't know anything about butterfly pea okay flower gotcha well we do know that it transforms colors and that's as good as any a segue into our great feast today Mm -hmm. the feast of the transfiguration all right Well, let's talk about the Feast of the Transfiguration. So I feel like an idiot. Uh, maybe I just need a more, more sips to think about this, but is it always on a Sunday? No, it's always on August 6th. It's always on August 6th, of course. It is part of the sanctoral cycle of the church rather than the temporal, temporal cycle. So the yes. temporal cycle are things like Easter, where it's the such and such Sunday after... Or or like Feast of the Sacred Heart is yes. the Friday after what? Because Corpus Christi. we have in the Roman Rite a solely lunar calendar. Mm-hmm. So part of our calendar follows the, the dating of Easter, mm-hmm. which would be the which lunar. Which is the first Sunday after, after the, the vernal, vernal equinox. equinox with the full moon. Right. And then everything gets adjusted accordingly, which would include Pentecost, Corpus Christi, Sacred Heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then we also have just the sanctoral cycle, which is the, the dates. Christmas is always December 25th. Feast of the Transfiguration is always August 6th. Is that the solar part? So is the lunar, the whole Eastery thing? And then yeah, the solar, so. it would be oh, just be... Oh, man. Oh, I, I did not know astronomy was going to be on the test today. 
I feel like we've had this conversation before. Because the vernal equinox is solar insofar as it's equinox. So it has something to do with the proportions of day and night during the spring, which has to do with the sun. sun. But then it's the first full moon after. I mean, the moon the and the sun are related. Equinox, and that would be the lunar part. So This is the part in the show we just say, hey, we're looking for listener feedback. <laughs> By which I mean corrections. Indeed. Hey, speaking of listener feedback, I want to give a shout out to Joseph. Hi, Joseph. You pre- know who you pre- are. Pre-Vitali. Joseph Vitali or Joseph Pre-Vitali. I don't know if you're a Vitali or you're before the Vitalis. Pre, yeah. But you've been a very great interlocutor. Mm. And when we did our Mary Magdalene podcast, I surmised that she was the only one on the oh, calendar penitent. with the, the, the category of penitent. Mm-hmm. And he found two others, Margaret of Cortona. Right. Oh, cool. And, oh, but I did not come super prepared to this podcast. <laughs> Just another I, I posted on Facebook. That's right. That, that is on Facebook. And yeah. you can follow us on both Instagram and Facebook at yeah. drinkingwiththesaints.com. And I also found a third one, March 26, is the Feast of the Penitent Thief, which is really cool. Oh, that they is don't, cool. They don't give the name Dismas, which is interesting. Yeah. So that's one of the very few feasts that I found where a name wasn't mentioned. Hmm. Just the penitent thief, and they didn't go with Dismas. Yeah, how strange. But it's also cool that, speaking of vernal equinox and all this interesting stuff, Mm -hmm. it's cool that it's the day after March 25th, because there's an old tradition that the crucifixion happened on March 25th. Oh, yes, I've heard that. It's a really weird kind of astrological, almost, Yeah, we've talked about this on that show. Yeah. Tolkien has that, that's the day that the ring... So it's March 25th is supposed to be the first day of creation. Mm-hmm, right. It's also supposed to be so many different things, but the well, crucifixion is one the, of them. The uh, Annunciation. And then of course, it's the Annunciation. And then yeah. also Ring Day for, yeah. for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> exactly. So if it is the date of the crucifixion, it makes sense that you would honor the good thief the day after. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, the crucifixion. Um, St. Mary of Egypt is the other penitent. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, she was quite the penitent. Yeah. Because she had been a prostitute. Yeah, she was like a notorious prostitute Mm -hmm. that uh, she said that I didn't even do it for the money. Mm -hmm. I just did it out of sheer lust. And she went on a pilgrimage in order to hook up. (gasps) Oh my gosh. And and then the pilgrimage went to, yeah, exactly. The pilgrimage went to a certain church, and she couldn't get through the door. An invisible That's force right. held her back, and then she uh, recognized she, it. She did penance and became this hermit in the in the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a remarkable story. That's one of the great stories. We'll have to make sure to do that podcast yes. for her. Another slutty Mary cocktail. Yeah, she is a Mary. <laughs> exactly. Recycle that one. Let's get back to the feast of the Transfiguration. Yeah, let's. Alexandra, what? Give me the details. So Jesus goes up to the mountain and he brings Peter, James, and John because they're his closest and he is transfigured and uh, in his glory. And then Elijah and Moses appear. And then Peter famously says, oh, let's build us three tabernacles here. Yeah. And Jesus gives him the shutdown. Yep. And then what happens? And then there is a voice from the cloud that oh, yeah. says, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Mm-hmm. They freak out. 
fall on their faces. Mm-hmm. And then when they get up, Jesus is the only one there. Right. Moses and Elijah have left and they go back down the mountain. And I think I understand that, that this, is, this is not far before his crucifixion. And it's a way of bolstering them. You're, you're anticipating all my amazing talking points. Fortifying them, so to speak. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And the Gospels don't explicitly state this, but it is believed that this took place on Mount Tabor, mm-hmm. Where which apparently is a really steep hike. Yeah. Oh, I wonder, oh I'd love to do that. Ooh. Let's go on a pilgrimage and do that. So Alexander and I, as you know, recently went to Alaska. Oh, I love hiking. And what was it? Flat Ridge Trail? Yes. Something like that. Flathead. A flathead Trail or something like that. And... uh we asked our hostess, like, is it bad? And she Again, said, Teresa Austin's getting this whole podcast. Exactly. And she said, well, the last hundred feet are pretty hard. It's not hard. Just yeah. the last hundred feet. So I'm not totally fit for hiking. And so we started and I kept thinking, did she mean the, the first hundred feet, feet or the last? That was brutal. So God bless Peter, James, and John for following Jesus yeah. up a, a steep mountain. Yeah. But they got a good reward. I don't know. I didn't even get a candy bar going up. That's right. <laughs> that was beautiful. All right. So you've already given one of the reasons why. So why the transfiguration? It's, it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Only three human witnesses, it, you know, besides I know, Moses you think and Elijah. Like, do it for everybody. Yeah. Like, I'd like a transfiguration. Yeah. To fortify my faith. So you said this already, but say it again. Why? Oh, to fortify the, the three of them for the scandal and the horror of the upcoming crucifixion. That is exactly right, Alexandra. So according to the Venerable Bede, mm-hmm. that this was a foretaste of the contemplation of eternal joy so that they might bear persecution bravely. Mm, so persecution, I said crucifixion, but persecution coming well, at the time, but also after. But it fits. And yeah. this is one of the reasons why the gospel that contains the transfiguration appears on the second Sunday of Lent. So we hear this twice a year. I love that. And this is what is called liturgical recapitulation. Oh, who came up with that term? Um, a very wise person. A very wise man. <laughs> MichaelFoley.com. MichaelPatrickFoley.com? Right. I don't know. So... Uh, you hear it in Lent because you're going to go through the ringer, just as the apostles did. Mm-hmm. And this is a reminder, hey, look, there's a light at the other end of the tunnel. It always surprises me that you said it's the second Sunday? Yes. It always comes so quickly. Like I always think it's going to be like towards the end yeah. of Lent, but there's other stuff obviously going that's on right. at the end of Lent. But I love that, that it's a, like, uh, that's to me is when you're starting to feel like Lent is never going to end. And you're like, oh yeah. my gosh, it's already Transfiguration Sunday. That's right. And I always expected to be at Leitare Sunday, hmm. you know, like, right. because that's the time you're like, yay, Enjoys, yeah. you know, a little breather, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But no. So they, they give it to you early in Lent mm-hmm. in order to fortify you, power through the resurrection is right around the corner. And that was the same reason why Jesus did that. Yeah. And there's proof of this where he says... He comes down to the bottom of the mountain and he says, and tell no man what you have seen until the, the son, son of man, man be risen from the dead. So he does connect it to the Paschal mystery, to his crucifixion and resurrection. Cool. All right. Excellent. All right. So Alexandra. Yes. What happened at the transfiguration? Uh, I thought I already answered that question. No, you said why it happened. If what happened? 
that Jesus was transfigured. Yes. So do we see Jesus in his resurrected, like a little peekaboo of Jesus in his resurrected state? It's Jesus in his glory. That's absolutely right. I did say that, by the way. Okay, no, yes, you did. I, I would never deny that. So according to St. Thomas Aquinas, Christ is Jesus Christ, true God, true man. So his divine glory is mm-hmm. always with him, but right. he's hiding it in his human flesh. His humanity, yeah. But in this moment, his glory infused his soul and his soul infused his body. That seems so complicated, like a complicated formulation, as opposed to just like... Are you calling Aquinas complicated? <laughs> I mean, far be it for me to be like, I don't know, Tommy. It just seems like you could say that a different way. But it just seems like he's always has his glory. It's shroud in his humanity. And he just lifted the shroud for a couple of minutes. That's what he just said. But he said it in like his soul infused the blah, yeah. blah. Well, you got three things going on. You no, got okay, his read divinity. Read it again. Read it again. Or say it again. Right. Christ's divine glory. Christ's divine glory. Got it. <laughs> filled his soul. Uh, at this moment. Well, it's always filling okay, his soul. Okay, yeah, that's okay. That confused And then it's also, you know, but at this moment, it shone through his body. Okay. I guess that is saying the same thing. It was yeah. the first part about like, and then he had like a fuel injection <laughs> to a soul. Like, what? That make Okay. No, I mean, and of course, his body is always infused with glory but mm-hmm. but you're right they're like the the veil was yeah like the little lifted lift a little veil. and you could see yeah. yeah so one thing that's really cool about that is that in addition to fortifying the apostles for the impending passion death resurrection of jesus christ is that this is a foretaste of our glory mm. we who are members of the risen body of christ mm-hmm. hope to have as saint paul put it a reformation of our body of lowliness into the body of his glory. Hmm. So this is not just a sneak peek of Mm -hmm. the resurrection. It's a sneak peek of our resurrection. Mm -hmm. We too shall one day, God willing, should we be part of the elect, have super bodies, or as St. Paul calls them, spiritual bodies. I like super body. Super body. like super fit. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I've been thinking about this a little bit lately, that... Sometimes it's hard to not sin, for one, but yeah. to, hard to not want to sin. You know, like, oh, oh you know, this sort of kind of servile, I don't want to go to hell, but kind of finding a good motivation for just not sinning. And yeah. I, I, I think about Christ's glory, like just think about the glorified Lord, transfiguration, and that how, you know, they're witnessing this from afar, but then they are ultimately part of that. They're part of the body of Christ and thinking how a good motivation for me a few times now to not sin has been like don't you want to be part of that yeah or, like isn't that isn't that like you're kind of like my patrimony like I, that's something i can I inherit and maybe just don't do that thing hey i hear you babe but what you're talking about is a purified soul mm-hmm. to have a transfigured body mm-hmm. would have all of that plus these other amazing abilities the same abilities as the body of the risen christ so you'll have impassibility, subtlety, agility, and clarity. Clarity is about glory, shining. Agility is moving with great ease and speed, right? Subtlety is the ability to pass through solid matter. 
Mm-hmm. That's the only one that kind of linguistically means, seems weird. Yeah, you're Subtlety, right. Subtlety, I'm sure there's a cool etymology there, is the ability to pass through solid things. Exactly. And then the last one is impassibility, which is easy to remember because passion means suffering. Impassibility is that your glorified body will not suffer anymore. And it's impassibility. Exactly. I just wouldn't have thought impassibility has the same origin as passion, but... It's the negation of, of passion. Yeah. Yeah. But like, passion means suffering. Yeah, I'm just thinking of etymology, and this is probably boring, but like I passed the grocery store on the way here. Is that oh. form of pass the same? You know, I have to look that up, but I think that's different. Okay. Think passion as in, you know, I have a passion for something. It oh, means yeah. I am moved by it, and it's, it's like tugging me in this direction. Cool. Yeah. All right, so those are the four qualities that we will have, God willing, mm-hmm. with a new heaven and earth, mm-hmm. and the transfiguration gives us a glimpse of that. Yeah. So that's another reason to celebrate the transfiguration. So in other words, we will be transfigured like Christ on Mount Tabor at the transfiguration. Correct. All right, I'm going to ask you some questions about the witnesses. Why Moses and Elijah? Oh, I have actually wondered this for a long time. Oh, Moses, he suffered. Poor Moses didn't get to see Cana. The the promised land. The promised land. Yeah. The land of milk and honey. Yeah. Right. Elijah, he never died. He went up in glory. Yeah. So a couple things going on, and you touched upon them both. So Moses represents the law. Because God gave him the law. Elijah is the greatest of the prophets. So you have the law and the prophets, which is the two biggest parts of the Old Testament. So you have the entire Old Testament bearing witness, giving testimony to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, this is kind of a side note. Yeah. But you mentioned just the Old Testament and also those two characters, that there's law and then there is the prophets. Yes, is there any way which, is there another analogy that the, the, you know, the law is the law, but there's the law and the spirit, like the way that St. Paul talks about? Like, does uh, Elijah know, in any way, or do the prophets in any way represent the spirit? Moses gives the law, they live it out. Uh, you know, that's a great question. I, honestly, I don't know. Like when Paul speaks of the spirit and the law, he's not speaking of the spirit of the law. The way that we would today. Sure. Like, oh, there's the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. But hang loose, man. There's the spirit behind it. <laughs> you can tell we were raised in the 70s. <laughs> Did you by any chance to go to Catholic school in the exactly. 70s and 80s? So what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit's not a hippie. All right? <laughs> go on. So, yeah, Paul meant something different by that. So I wouldn't, I personally would not go with Moses as law, mm-hmm. Elijah as spirit. spirit. Because what does Elijah say? Yeah. Go back to the law, yeah. you idiots. <laughs> yeah, which is what the Spirit would say, but the Spirit the spirit yeah. would be the, the fulfillment of, the yeah. living out. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Moses gives the law, Elijah embodies it. Elijah lives the law. But the Spirit is enjoining you to go back to the law. 
Right. So by living it out. The way we think about it today is the spirit of the law in a weird way moves you away from the law. Yeah, I'm not thinking about that way at all, Mike. Uh, I have no, overcome. I, I'm, I'm glad you're not. But hey, let's be honest. There are a lot sure. of Catholics who speak of the spirit of Vatican II. And what they mean by the spirit of Vatican II is we no longer have to pay attention to the letter or the law of Vatican II. Or just any time we kind of say like, oh, it's the spirit, not the yeah. letter. But if you like, you look at the law of Vatican II. Mm-hmm. It says things quite differently than what some of its champions have said. And like, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's just the spirit, man. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me Vatican II. It's like, but you are basing your changes on Vatican II. And I look at Vatican II and I don't see any proof of anything that you're saying. Oh, just hang out with the spirit, man. <laughs> That's exactly how they talk. Hashtag rant over. <laughs> mic drop, mic, mic drop. That's right. Okay, this is totally random, but I kind of think about the spirit and the law in a way as like a marriage. And I know, I know, I know, I know. We can cut this. Wow. But, but I think about the pea blossom. It's a hallucinogen. It is so hot in here. I feel feverish. Did we mention we're upstairs in our podcast room and the air has been off and it's 105 degrees outside in Waco? Wow. And in this room right now, it's 93 degrees. That is how much we love our listeners. Yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, just really quickly, spirit. I think in a marriage, there's sort of like the good cop, bad cop. I know where this is going. You think I'm the, the mosaic law. And I'm the spirit. <laughs> is that too I resent flatter? that comparison. Well, we can switch it up, but that, you know, someone is like the holder of the law. And Bro- then another, the other, other one at best, hopefully is, and I'm not always good at this, but is the embodiment of the law. Like our kids see you lay down the law and they hopefully, and I'm not very a very good person, but hopefully they see me be the embo- the joyful embodiment of whatever the law is. Two reasons why this is wrong. Number one, the Mosaic law as defined by rabbinic tradition had 613 commandments. I have way more. <laughs> And number two... Make sure to put your coffee grounds in the, that's <laughs> the that's compost. <laughs> that's just one. Listeners, that's just one of the 10 million rules. <laughs> I have a rule about an empty sink. Yeah. <laughs> but number two, what I'm hearing from you is, I'm the Old Testament and you're the New Testament. Oh, I'm hippie Jesus. You're hippie Jesus who swoops in. I'm fun Jesus. I, know. I love being the, I'm, the I'm, fun cop. I'm, the, I'm buddy Jesus. I'm buddy Jesus. <laughs> I'm buddy Jesus. Hey, hey, we just, I just want to be friends with you. Let's just like go on a walk together and talk about God. Oh, yeah. Every marriage yeah. has a good cop and a bad cop. And I have to thank you, Mike. Thank you for being the bad cop. <laughs> and then I, I'm endeavoring in this kind of second half of our parenting to be more of the bad cop so you get to be the, the, the good cop. Oh, thank you. Anyway, that was a lot of wow. blah, blah. Butterfly pea blossom. Butterfly pea. <laughs> All right, so we have to move on. Please. Um, Our listeners are begging us to move on. One final thing about Moses and Elijah. I don't know if this is part of the intention, but I do find it very interesting that there are disputes about the deaths of all three transfigured characters, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, of course, dies, rises from the dead. Yeah. The Jews don't believe it. The Christians do. Mm -hmm. Elijah... Doesn't die. Right, goes up in a goes up in a fiery fiery chariot. chariot. Is he still alive? And then Moses. So Moses. So Moses did die, Mm -hmm. but carried around in the very strange epistle from Saint Jude, 
Saint you, Jude. Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> stop just, it. Just this drinks. is only one drink, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jude says that St. Michael the Archangel and Satan debated, fought over the body of Moses. And the theory is that when Moses died, the Israelites were moved to make like a giant mausoleum for him. And Satan was really happy with that because he thought it would induce them into idolatry. Moses won, excuse me, Michael won again against Satan. And he hid the body of Moses so that they would not be, the Hebrews would not be induced into right. idolatry. I think we've actually talked about that on this, this show. Yeah, so I just found that really interesting. And that, that I was totally thinking about Disputes about the deaths yeah. and burials of all three men. Yeah, so I, I wasn't thinking about Jesus. I was thinking about those two at those kind of weird yeah. deaths. But that Jesus, I guess, is in the same category. Why? Because he was... Well, he's kind of both Moses and Elijah in oh. a sense that he, he does die, mm-hmm. but his grave is empty. Mm-hmm. He lives like Elijah, and more than Elijah. fiery chariot, he's ascended. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's almost as if he's the full embodiment of the Old Testament. Gee. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. We cracked (laughs) cracked a 2,000 year old code. I know. Why isn't some Notre Dame theology department hire us? I love you, Empress Jin. Let's move to the human witnesses, Peter, James, and John. Why those three? Boom, you're on, hippie Jesus. Um, I have one question. Did we bring any nuts or any kind of protein? What the? <laughs> <laughs> Stay on the script. I know. You, you, went, you went way off the reservation with the spirit and the law. <laughs> this is what happens. And once again, this is what happens when I have a drink on an empty stomach. I'm, I'm sorry. It's your fault. Oh, on I skipped the script. lunch. Okay, anyway. On the script. On script. Come on. Okay. Peter, James, Focus. and John. Help. What about, Come why on. did Jesus choose those three? Chooses yeah. those, those three? <laughs> okay, Peter, because he's the rock. Yeah. At this point, has he said, Peter, you're at my rock? I, I, I'm a Catholic. I don't know. I really don't. We don't know the, the Bible. New Testament. Um, so Peter makes sense because he's the rock. J- uh, John makes sense because he is the beloved. Yeah. Right? I mean, later on, yeah. he'll lean his head against the chest of Christ mm-hmm. and get all the secrets of the sacred heart. But James, I, I don't know about James. Why James? Well, they are traditionally called the princes of the apostles. Mm-hmm. They were the only three of the 12 invited to witness the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. They were the only three invited into the agony of the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? And I believe they were the only three that were invited to witness... Another miracle. It was not the resurrection of the widow of of Naim, but there was one other miracle. Joseph will will tell me later. <laughs> yeah, listener response. <laughs> this is your chance to shine. We exactly. Need you. So anyway, it's interesting because it shows that he's not hippie Jesus. Even during his earthly ministry, he was establishing a hierarchy. So he had hundreds of disciples. Right. He had 72 that he named disciples. Right. Of those 72, he chose 12 apostles. Of those 12 apostles... 11 were cool. (laughs) 11 were cool, and three he gave special privileges to. And then within those three, he named one one the vicar. The vicar, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So there's a... It's almost like hierarchy is good. Exactly. So get over your egalitarian obsessions... Jesus established a hierarchical church 
before he died and rose from the dead. Boom. Boom. That's right. like you're like, hierarchical. We are I just love this drink. nailing this mystery of the transfiguration. Okay, so you mentioned something, Alexander, at the very beginning. Peter kind of like, does he go rogue? What does he do? He says, Lord, it is good that we are here. Let us build three tents. Tabernacles also means tent. Right. Uh, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then <laughs> Luke, the Gospel of Luke adds the commentary. He did not know what he what was talking about. <laughs> I love that so much that Luke's like, P.S. Exactly. He was just talking cray-cray. Exactly. But um, <laughs> why the impetus for tents? Was he a Boy Scout, a Scout leader? He just like, hey, well, something cool is happening. Let's build a tent. He wants to dwell in the space. Like, Jesus is transfigured. Let's hang out here. Yes. Let's pitch a tent and hang. Yeah. Ooh, also, that's good. Pitching the tent, the pitching, Gospel of John. Yeah. First exactly. chapter of Gospel of John. So I'm sure our saintly sippers are aware of this, but in the prologue to the Gospel of John, when it says the word became flesh, flesh and, and dwelt, dwelt among, among us. us, the Greek word is literally, and the word became flesh and pitched a tent among us. Yeah. So that's very cool. It's just to have like to have to have the dwelling, to have Indeed. the indwelling. But eh, you're wrong. I'm so right in, the, in a way that you are just too dim well, to, or sober we're, to understand. We're trying to get over our binary thinking here. <laughs> right, so you're right, but also there's a fascinating theory that this event took place in late September, early October and coincided with the Jewish feast oh, of, oh, of, of... Wait, don't tell me. Oh, I forget this. Shechem, Shaim, Shechem. Well, let's just call it the Feast, the Feast of the of Tabernacles. The, ten, the tents, yeah. The Feast of the Tabernacles, the Feast of the Which Tents. happens in September. Where uh, people would camp outside as a reminder of their status as pilgrims. Yeah. Uh, as a reminder of the Exodus. So Peter's not being completely clueless. Mm -hmm. He's experiencing the Jewish liturgical year where everyone's pitching a tent and says, Hey! Let's pitch a tent here. So, Sukkot. Is that right? That's it. Sukkot. Something like yeah. that. So, would it have been like a rabbinical or a, like a, a, a rule that they would have had to mm -mm. celebrate? Like the, with the Passover, it's not like, I'm just going to blow this one off. That they would have to like do their Like everyone would have to yeah, make pitch the a tent. tent or, yeah. yeah. Like it happens on the feast <sighs> of Sukkot. Yeah. And they, if you don't do it, was he just, was he being... Um, Legalistic is the wrong word, but like obey. No, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, hey, that's a hey, by the way, Jesus, <laughs> you know what day it is? Yeah. Honestly, I don't know, but that's a great question. That's actually, that's so fascinating that he was just like, I get it. I get the tie-in. Yeah. I get it. So let's just pitch our tents. And yeah. Jesus is like, nay, nay. Yeah. Aww, yeah, exactly. Peter. Yeah. I yeah. love him for trying. Yeah. Well, that's, a, he's my, one of my patrons. Yeah. I gotcha. Because I'm always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've established that. The Transfiguration probably took place around the Feast of the Tabernacles in late September. Why, oh, why is the feast in the Roman Rite on August 6th? And here I'm going to stump you. Does it have to do with the time after Pentecost? Does it have to do... I've just give up. Go on. <laughs> it has to do with victory over the Muslims. Well, that's a common thing in this <laughs> podcast, isn't it? Lopanto, Battle of Vienna... So in July 1456 was the Great Battle of Belgrade, 
where Christian Hungary outnumbered, repelled a number of Ottoman Turks and saved Europe for the time being from invasion. So you think, oh, July. But news traveled so slowly that it did not reach Rome until August 6, 1456. And the Pope was so excited that he instituted the Feast of the Transfiguration in memory of this military battle and then had the bells rung at 12 noon in celebration of this event. And that's where the Angelus bells come from. No. According to some historians. Are you that historian, Mike? No, Are you I'm making just, stuff I, up again? Come hey, on. I'm just relaying what I've heard, man. Yeah. <laughs> that is so, so neat. I yeah. also just love that's like, this happened in July, but news just came to me, and therefore I, as Pope, I'm just establishing, it's party time. Yeah. And I don't know why it was the Transfiguration and not another feast, but yeah. he did institute the Feast of the Transfiguration in honor of the Battle of Belgrade. Was he looking for a... And in like I've got this transfiguration, I got to find a yeah. place for it. Honestly, I don't know, and and what I've read hasn't given me any insight into that. Hmm. But what I do find interesting about it is that there are several feast days in the Roman Rite that are commemorations of military battles: Feast of Lepanto, uh, Feast of the Holy Rosary on August October seventh, the, same uh, the Battle of Vienna, mm-hmm. Feast of the Holy Name, September twelfth. It's, it's really fascinating that, that the Roman Rite shows the bumpy history of 2,000 years of Catholicism and not just the lives of Jesus Christ or the saints. It, mm. it just shows the whole arc of the body of Christ as it goes through time. Interesting. And that does involve kicking some infidel booty when you have to. And then stirring some cocktails. <laughs> exactly. All right, we're kind of going to end on a dark note. Oh, then I have a happy note. All right, so we were speaking of battles. There's something else that happened on August 6. August 6, <gasps> 1945. Oh, 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 I know. Hiroshima. That's yeah. right. The first atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, Hiroshima on August 6, 1945, on the Feast of the Transfiguration. And what's chilling is that The old Roman rite was being in use at the time, and the intruit is, thy lightning lit up the world, the earth shook and trembled. Wow, I I have chills. And it is a sad historical fact that the two cities in Japan with the highest number of Catholics were Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And those are the ones that they hit? Yeah. Was it a certain time of day? I know, I think Hiroshima was first and then Nagasaki. That's correct. So Hiroshima was on August 6th. Both were in the morning. And there are all sorts of conspiracy theories. Oh, the Freemasons chose this because they were the two most Catholic cities in Japan. But the most likely thing is that the the cathedral is the center of town, the church is, and so they're going to be able to see that from a plane. So that was the case of Nagasaki. Mm -hmm. But Nagasaki was actually choice number three. Hmm. I, I can't remember the name of the town. That was choice number two. It was closer. It was easier. But just as they flew over that city, they, uh, they hit clouds and they, they couldn't drop couldn't anything. So they kept flying mm-hmm. and they, they went to Nagasaki and it was also cloudy. And then there was just one open window mm-hmm. and the bombardier was instructed to 
go after the most conspicuous building in the city, which happened to be the Catholic Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception.、Oh, And that's where he put、lady. the sights、mm-hmm. on August 9th, dropped the bomb. It exploded 1,600 feet away from the cathedral, completely destroyed it. They were celebrating Mass at the time. Everyone was instantly incinerated. August 9th was the vigil of St. Lawrence, Lawrence, the deacon、yeah. who was burned alive. <laughs> oh, goodness, Lord. Yeah, I told you I was、uh, ending on a down note. All right. Well, I'm going to end on a happier note. All right, please do. do here's trivia for you, Mike. Do you by any chance know the name of your three sons? Come on. Do, do, James, do. Peter, and John. That's right. Oh, thanks. I, ding, ding, ding. Got it, Mike. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Nobody thought, none of our <laughs> listeners, nobody thought you could get that one. But yes, it just so happens. And it wasn't because we were super devoted to the Transfiguration, but now we kind of are. That、yeah. our three sons are named Peter, James, and John. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for joining us in this topsy turvy, bizarre, empress, gin <laughs> infused, pea,、yes. butterfly pea infused. Yeah, Alexander quite hasn't achieved her heavenly glory, but she got some kind of earthly consolation today. <laughs> My face is glowing as if I have seen the Lord, though, like Moses did. <laughs> no, you're red, not white, right now. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining you, us. God bless you, and please enjoy this feast. Happy and, Transfiguration. And think of all the wonderful mysteries that you learned about today so that you can just zone out during the homily because you already got it all. You're the worst. To your health and holiness. God bless. Thank you for joining us. Please get in touch with us via email at podcast at drinkingwiththesaints.com or on our Instagram page at Drinking Saints and find Drinking with the Saints book series at drinkingwiththesaints.com or wherever fine books are sold. The Drinking with the Saints podcast is produced by Back Row Media.